welcome. My name is Rob, and this is the inaugural edition of my Meaningful Things podcast. This experience will be one that's informative, intriguing, exciting, and I encourage participation from my listeners and viewers. Now, you can contact me on the phone lines when I open them up or on my website at IamRobMichael.com on my Facebook page, same thing, imrobmichael.com. I'll be speaking on past and current issues with my focus on informing my listeners as well as having a good dialogue on the topics being discussed and talking about possible solutions to these issues. I also ask that you like and follow me if this podcast is something that you find interesting on my YouTube channel, I will also be on Spotify, iHeart, and numerous other social media outlets to be viewed and listened to. As I stated, we'll discuss a wide range of topics, current and past. For our first episode will be Roe v. Wade, this reversal. I'll break down to you how the Republicans came to make this happen. And what will it mean going forward? Now, in 1973, there was a landmark decision by the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that women were protected under the Constitution and that abortions were legal. Abortions became legal in January 22nd, 1973, after this landmark decision which we know today has been overturned. Now, Roe v. Wade was law law of the land for 49 years, and the fight to get it overturned went on just as long. Now, this individual Roe, this individual Wade, we want to look at who they are. Roe, whose, whose real name is Norma McCorvey, Jane Roe is her alias, she is the one that brought these charges against Henry Wade. He was the district attorney of Dallas County at the time. So Roe brought the suit against the district attorney, Henry Wade, there in Dallas County back in May of 1970. That's when the suit was filed, but it was not decided upon until January 22nd, 1973 which gave us 49 years of legalized abortions. This case was also consolidated with related claims brought by a physician facing prosecutions for performing abortions and a married couple who said that the wife could get pregnant if the contraceptions fail. Fair argument. They wanted to know that abortions would be available. That's what they wanted to do. So this is how Roe v. Wade began. Roe initiated the lawsuit against the district attorney, Henry Wade. And for two decades after that, after the Supreme Court ruling, McCorvey was a leader in abortion rights, but then switched sides in the 90s. And she became an outspoken pro-life opponent. Yes, that's that's strange, folks. She did all that fighting 
one case for the right to have access to abortions if need be just to switch sides in the 90s. But wait a minute, let's look at this. Months before McCorvey died there in 2017, she made a confession saying that she made that change only after being paid to do so. So basically, on her deathbed, she confessed that the only reason why she did that was because she was paid to do so for the money. Now, is it time for Roe v. Wade to change? Or is it something that particular party may happen? When you look at the political process at the time and things that transpired, I really don't think the Republican Party done a whole lot wrong other than the hypocrisy and a few things, a few individuals within the party did. But other than that, I really believe they use everything at their disposal. You know, every apparatus at their disposal. They experience, gamble, luck, and that allowed them to get what it was they wanted. And that was uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. But once again, we will not leave out the hypocrisy that took place also. Okay, so in 2016, the Obama administration was still in office, and then you had the death of Justice Scalia. Now, his death initially seemed to have in all hopes of Roe v. Wade being overturned. You know, any hopes that the conservatives had of overturning Roe v. Wade seemed to be out, out the window. Scalia was the most conservative of that wing and the most outspoken of that wing. And he believed in the right to life. So had he not passed on, him, Justice Thomas, and Justice Alito, they still would have fell far short of what they needed to overturn Roe v. Wade. But rather than Scalia's death, being a bad move, so to speak, for the Republican Party, what it actually did was trigger a series of uh, events and developments that led to the reversal of Roe v. Wade. The unexpected developments that occurred is what led to the reversal of Roe v. Wade, along with some gambling, some risk-taking, and luck that helped Roe v. Wade to get overturned. An example would be here. Just hours after Scalia's death in 2016, then-Senator Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, he made a statement saying, he issued a statement saying that he would not permit a hearing or vote on any of President Obama's nominees to fill a seat. He would not have a hearing or vote and understand now this was on this was an unprecedented move during modern history modern time to refuse or even consider a presidential pick but this was Mitch McConnell's first gamble though he would not know what the pending outcome of the election would be <clears throat> yet he further went on to say 
Mitch McConnell, that is, the American people should have a choice in the selection of the next Supreme Court justice. That's what he said. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled until we have a new president. Once again, that was a scandal, folks. A new president. This coming from the Senate Majority Leader. So, about a month later, President Obama nominates Judge Merrick Garland, a respected jurist, <clears throat> who, I might say, is respected on both sides of the aisle by Republicans and Democrats. And some Republicans did not like the fact that, that, that Merrick Garland did not get a hearing because McConnell still stood, stood by his words. He stood his ground. He did not give him a hearing or a vote. So the general election about to take place now, here it is still in 2016, you have Hillary Clinton to win the popular vote. Donald Trump wins the electoral vote, so that gives him the presidency. Donald Trump then proceeds to appoint his first judge to the Supreme Court, and that judge being none other than Neil Gorsuch. That was his first appointing, Neil Gorsuch. Then, here's some of the events that I spoke of, just one right here, folks. You have Justice Kennedy to retire from the Supreme Court. That was also a blow for the Democrats, simply because Justice Kennedy, even though he was a Republican nominee, he would vote with the Democrats to uphold Roe v. Wade. His retirement then cleared away for President Trump to appoint Kennedy's former law clerk. Kennedy's former law clerk, Brett M. Kavanaugh. So Brett Kavanaugh was he was the one to fill Justice Kennedy's seat at that time. Mr. Kavanaugh, Senate hearing has also been said to have been controversial in his answering, his refusal to answer and things of that nature. But nonetheless, he was President Trump's second appointee, Trump administration. Justice Ginsburg, she died in September of 2020, September 18th, 2020, to be exact, after a long battle with cancer. When Justice Ginsburg died, it was just six weeks before the presidential election. So Senator McConnell then, in abandoning his previous assertions that the voters should decide to seat in an election year, he then proceeds to tell President Trump at the time that he should choose Kingsburg's successor immediately. Now, this is a full reversal of what he said under the previous administration, where he said in an election year, the people should have a say-so in the Supreme Court nominee. I don't see how that's true or how that's so when the people don't pick Supreme Court justices, the president does. So his. His calculation or his guess was that President Trump, should he win, then things will happen the way I'd like them to. That's pretty much how it went. So, 
after the death of, of Justice Ginsburg, President Trump is then advised by Mitch McConnell to choose her successor immediately. As I stated, this is a, a reversal of what he said under the previous administration. So then President Trump moves to pick Amy Coney Barrett. Now she's a Notre Dame law professor, a former Scalia law clerk, and Coney's belief is abortion is immoral. Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided. And let's not forget, she said all of that, but these are the same Republicans that refused to consider President Obama's nominee, yet moved quickly to confirm her. This only before Trump lost his bid for re-election. So again, the gamble of not having in the President Obama nominee to even have a hearing or vote, that gamble paid off. The gamble of waiting till after the election there in November of 2016, that paid off. And then the placement after then President Trump won the election of Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett, all of which paid off in the high gamble state to actually get Roe v. Wade reversed. In a nutshell, he did everything he needed to do with the help he had to get Roe v. Wade overturned. It was successful. Like it or not, it was successful. Also, there was something else that played a big role during this time that all this unrest and political back and forth was going on at the time. Activism. We found that activism plays a very big role in securing our rights. And this was said best by none other than Erica Chenowitz of the Harvard Kennedy School. And in her opinion, she said that activism played a big role in moving forward for change. The Dobbs decision is what actually overturned Roe v. Wade. Well, in response to the Dobbs decision, some people have expressed, you know, skepticism about the power of protest and protecting or securing rights. But she said that this is misguided. And here are a few more of her examples as to why. You know, sustained activism and support of choice and reproductive justice has led numerous states, including Massachusetts, to enshrine abortion access into law. What this simply means, folks, is this. Certain states still will provide access for abortions to individuals. Certain states still will provide access to abortion. This is a powerful tool against the total removal of abortion in the United States, and this is regardless of role. Effective organizing and mobilizing ultimately help curtail or delay some of the most troubling encroachments on rights during the Trump presidency also, such as the Muslim ban. You remember that? 
when the Muslims became vilified by, by that administration and the GOP attempt to gut or get rid of the Affordable Health Care Act. Activism stopped both of those things in their tracks, basically. Folks getting out, protesting. Another thing that activism did was it created that blue wave that saw Democrats take over the House and led to the most diverse Congress in U.S. history. But this move was culminated in a powerful pro-democracy coalition during the troubled 2020 election. During the Trump years and the 2020 election, the coalition was powerful enough to win a bare majority in the Senate, maintain majority in the House, and defeat Trump at the polls at the same time. Defeat all, and let's not forget, his uh, failed coup attempt. This just quelled all of that activism. Once again, the Dobbs decision. Now Dobbs, who himself was a Mississippi health officer, was sued by the Jackson Women's Health Organization. That became the landmark ruling that reversed Roe v. Wade. So now abortions are said to be illegal in the United States. Yes, this was argued December 1st, 2021, yet it was decided on June 24th, 2022, when they knew they had just, just the right amount of votes to easily grab it, take it and get it reversed. Yes. So we want to ask this question now. What effect might this ruling have on the 2022 midterms and the general election in 2024 as far as voter turnout, especially by the women? What kind of effect might it have? Something else I want to mention is the fact that the death of Scalia is what started Mitch McConnell's strategy, him strategic, excuse me, strategically beginning his conquest of getting Roe v. Wade overturned. That was one thing. The strategy of prohibiting any of President Obama's nominees of a hearing or vote to the Supreme Court, that was monumental also. Him waiting on the outcome of the pending election of November 2016 was his biggest gamble because he did not know who the winner was going to be and all of the work he did prior to that would have been in vain at Trump loss. So paid off big for the Republicans and it made McConnell look as though he was a genius. And along the way, there was so much hypocrisy that it was shameful. McConnell with the House Minority Leader, certain other senators such as Lindsey Graham, the hypocrisy it was just unbelievable. I think the final straw was that third appointee, Amy Coney Barrett. After Justice Ginsburg's died and after abandoning that previous assertion about not allowing a vote or hearing in an election year, well, 
That's some of the hypocrisy that I spoke of, folks. He did not allow this to take place under the Obama administration, but during a reversal of what he said at that time, he went ahead and advised President Trump to quickly pick a successor. And that is what he did. If you like this podcast, if you like the information, you like what's been said, or if you have comments or questions, contact me on my Facebook page and my website at IamRobMichael.com with your questions or comments. I'd like for you also to give me ideas of what you'd like to see me talk about, topics you'd like to see me talk about, things of that nature. So just check me out on Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, my YouTube channel. If you would, give me a like, thumbs up. Would very much appreciate it. And until our next episode, I ask that you keep listening to this podcast. Keep me in mind. Know that I'm talking about things that's going on in our community today. I want us to talk about ways and solutions of solving them. And until I talk to you again, until we speak again, be safe. God bless. Take care. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you.